0: Tonight, the criminal case against Donald J. Trump. After a Manhattan grand jury voted to indict a president for the first time in history, what comes next for the former president, New York, and the nation? We break down the case and hear from two former Trump insiders about what their old boss may well do next. MetroFocus starts right now.
1: This is Metro Focus with Raphael P. Roman, Jack Ford, and Jenna Flanagan. Metro Focus is made possible by Sue and Edgar Wachenheim III, Philemon M. D'Agostino Foundation, the Peter G. Peterson and Joan Gans Cooney Fund, Bernard and Denise Schwartz, Barbara Hope Zuckerberg, and by Jody and John Arnhold. Dr. Robert C. and Tina Sohn Foundation, The Ambrose Monell Foundation, Estate of Roland Carlin.
0: Good evening and welcome to Metro Focus. I'm Jack Ford. This has never happened before. A former American president facing criminal charges. Donald Trump's indictment over his alleged role in paying hush money and then covering it up to adult film star Stormy Daniels is an unprecedented moment for the country a test of both our legal and political systems. The specific charges against the former president remain sealed at the time of our Friday morning taping here. But we do know that Mr. Trump is expected to turn himself into authorities and travel to a courthouse in Manhattan for his arraignment. And that could happen as early as Tuesday. There he will be fingerprinted. There will be a mugshot and possibly at some point in the future, an actual trial on these charges. Today, the NYPD is on high alert. Every single officer has been instructed to be in uniform and ready to deploy across the city in case of protests. For his part, Mr. Trump has lashed out at the indictment and at Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, accusing him of carrying out a political, quote, witch hunt. Tonight, we have reaction and analysis of every angle of this historic moment. Joining me now to discuss it all are Arthur Idella, a former prosecutor and current New York City trial attorney, also a conservative radio host, Attorney Sam Nunberg, a former Trump campaign political advisor, Barbara Ress, a former Trump Organization executive vice president and author of the book Tower of Lies, what my 18 years of working with Donald Trump reveals about him, and Ellis Hennigan, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and political analyst. Welcome to all of you. Thank you so much for joining us here. There is a lot for us all to talk about. So let me get started with with some initial reactions here, if I can. And Ellis, I'm going to come to you first. And obviously, we have all been watching this carefully and there's been an anticipation and a build up here. But all of a sudden, last night we hear it's happened. An indictment has been returned. Ellis, what was your first reaction to that?
2: Well, my my first personal reaction was a little bit of guilt. Uh, as a as a creature of New York's tabloid journalism, I know that we didn't create Donald Trump, but we certainly enabled him over the years and helped him become the man and the president that he ultimately did. as a as a as a figure of of gossip columns, as a radio television host, as a as a man about town who learned a lesson that he could do pretty much what he wanted. I think all of us may bear a little responsibility here. That was my first feeling, guilt. Uh, Sam, how
0: about you? First reaction. Again, as I mentioned, you're somebody who who worked with the former president in the first campaign. So you have been in, in that orbit of his. Uh, you have been following this carefully. Your first reaction.
3: Well, I worked for him for over five years and I spent many hours with him. And, uh, you know, I got frustration, frankly. I think that this, um, while may have uh, some legal Uh, Rationale is certainly a political decision that Alvin Bragg brought and, uh, you know, along with uh, Mike Pomerantz, a former investigator, his conduct with with bringing out a book, calling for the prosecution. I just don't think that this is something that New York City deserves or, frankly, America, specifically this indictment, these charges.
0: I'm going to come back to some of that in a moment, but I I, I want to get these initial reactions. Barbara Ress, as I mentioned, um, wrote a a book about your time with working for the former president, spent many, many years in his employee, in his uh, in his immediate orbit here. My question to you, a little bit different, not so much reaction, but I'm asking you for an educated guess based upon your experience and your knowledge of the former president. Uh, How do you think he reacted? We know about the public reaction, but personally, how do you think he reacted to the news that he has, in fact, been indicted?
1: You know, his initial reaction might have been um, you know, unhappy or angry or pissed or whatever, uh, but I don't think that lasted very long. I think that he immediately went into, okay, what can this do for me mode and started thinking about how he's going <laughs> to raise money, which is preposterous, and and rev up his base to do whatever he needs them to do in the next step. but. I don't think he thinks he's going to get convicted. I do not think he believes that there's a chance that he's going to get convicted.
0: And Arthur, that brings us to you. We're we're going to have you be our instructor throughout the course of of this session today as somebody who has lived in the in the criminal justice world in New York. First question to you is that um, in the introduction, I mentioned an investigation into the payment of hush money. And then I mentioned the cover up to it specifically for a particular reason. And and that is this, generally speaking, is it a crime for one person to pay another money and the other person to agree to take that money and in return, not to talk about something that happened between them? Just that scenario, is that a crime?
4: I certainly hope not, because my file cabinet right over there has about six files in it of of me right. crafting those types of agreements. Right. Um, right. This is still the United States of America, the land of the free, hopefully. Mm. And, um, you know, people can are it's totally legal to make those kinds of agreements. It's, it's confidentiality agreements. Right. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever.
0: So then let's take this a step farther. Now, we haven't seen the charges yet, but we know the essence of or at least we think we know the essence of what they may well be. Uh, Give us your best sense here from a prosecutor's perspective as to what these charges might say. How do you get from, or how do the prosecution alleges they get from this incident, paying money, which as you said, is is not a crime, to something subsequent to that, that the prosecution apparently now is gonna allege is a crime.
4: Okay, so in the scenario that I spoke of when I do this privately, none of those documents are filed anywhere except in my file cabinet, literally. Um, if someone violated the agreement, then maybe you take them to court, and those documents now maybe become public. But normally, the reason why you're paying the money is everyone keeps their mouths shut, and if they open their mouth, then they, they gotta not only give the money back, but then they have to give probably three times back, triple damages. Mm-hmm. But here, this is a, the, the word unique is gonna come out of my mouth a lot of times today. Yeah. Um, there's a unique situation where documents had to be filed regarding the payments to Donald Trump's lawyer at the time, Michael Cohen. And what they're saying is those documents contain false information called filing a false instrument. Now that is a misdemeanor charge. That is a lower level charge, but there is a, a, a part of the law that says if you're filing the false instrument Uh, to commit another crime, and here they're saying it's federal election fraud, uh, then you can elevate the misdemeanor to a felony, which makes it a much more serious crime. And it also extends the statute of limitations so that the amount of time that Alan Bragg had to prosecute this case is extended considerably.
0: And, and that's an important note, the, the statute of limitations um, there. All right, um, I'm, I'm going to come back in a minute. I want to talk about what's going to happen, the procedures. And then I, I want to get against some more some bigger picture issues here. But um, Sam, let me come back to you, because you said you, you had frustration here. Um, you, you said this may not be the right thing for the country at the time. My question to you is this. Given what Arthur has explained to us, what we anticipate the, the prosecution's allegations are going to be. What is, what is your reason for your sense of frustration, your objection? Is it because you don't believe that these allegations, if true, we don't know if they're true. They are merely allegations at this point. We need to stress that. And the former president, as with anybody else, is presumed innocent unless and until proven guilty beyond a reason of that. But is your frustration be, because of the fact you don't believe that these outlines suggest a real crime, or is it because of the fact that it's being directed at a former president?
3: I think that you have to take a, a thousand, you know, a thousand foot view here. They've they've been looking to prosecute Donald Trump. Alvin Bragg ran on prosecuting Donald Trump. This case, I know for a fact, because my grand jury testimony under the Mueller investigation was frankly centered around it, was passed by the SDNY. Michael Cohn continues to say that he pled guilty to this crime. Yes, he pled guilty to get it to to this crime of making a payment that violated uh that violated federal election law because it was over the it was over the limit. However it doesn't necessarily mean that Donald Trump violated the crime. I know for a fact, having worked there once again for five and a half years, Barbara would understand this during her time. Donald Trump's concern when it's with with extramarital affairs, was frankly for his wife. It was frankly he doesn't want to go through a divorce. That was primarily his concern. And when we get to the federal election law component, which takes this charge from a misdemeanor to a felony, uh, you know, many people have argued, including former FEC chairman, that if you could show a dual purpose for the payment, which I believe Donald Trump's main motivation, frankly, was Melania Trump. I don't think he cared about the general public knowing whether or not whatever stormy daniels was claiming especially because he was running let's remember against hillary clinton and bill clinton at the time that this would not be a crime that he committed to make this a felony so that's that's my my position there i am not arguing whether or not donald trump did not commit a crime vis-a-vis january 6. i'm not arguing whether Donald trump has not committed a crime or should not be indicted vis-a-vis in keeping those classified documents at mar-a-lago For over two years and refusing to give them back, this specific instance, along with Alvin Bragg's prosecutorial policies, frankly, Mm -hmm. just stinks and smells of political uh, persecution, and it's an arbitrary decision.
0: Ellis, how about this? And and. One of the things we've seen in the past, and there's always been debates about what's the best way to choose our prosecutors and our judges? Should we elect them where they go out on campaign stumps and make promises and and take uh, take political partisan positions or should we appoint them some other fashion? And in New York, we're talking about elections here and Sam talked about some of the, the things that uh, the Trump camp is saying that Alvin Bragg said to get into office. So can you have both? Can you have politically motivated but still a a genuinely based criminal indictment and prosecution? Can the two coexist?
2: Well, sure, if you have people of integrity doing it. Uh, I mean, you make a perfectly good argument, Jack, an intellectual argument about the the benefits of one approach or another. And, uh, you know, maybe we'd be better off with some other system, but that ain't the one we got. The one we have is that the prosecutor in in New York County is elected by the people here, and he needs to run for office and raise campaign funds and do all the other things we expect politicians to do, and at the same time, make decisions based on justice and fairness and decency and the and the kinds of things we want good prosecutors to do. Yeah.
0: Barbara, back to you again if I can. But, yeah, but we, will, happens- we will we oh, will good. I, I'm, I'm sure we'll all recall the trial of former Senator John Edwards. Remember, he was he was running for president the primary hadn't taken place yet. He was charged with something fairly similar, using campaign funds to hide a personal relationship. He went to trial. His defense was, I did this to protect my family. I did this to protect my wife. I made a horrible mistake. That's why I wasn't doing it to get an advantage in a political campaign. Now it essentially worked for him in that trial. There were some hung, hung jury questions, but things eventually he did not get convicted, and certainly didn't didn't have to pay any consequences for it. So that is backdrop. Barbara, to you, you know the former president. It, what is your sense about if this happened? And I'm underscoring the F. All right, we know certain facts took place. The question is, go, real question is going to be what's the interpretation of those facts? But if it happened, your sense would he have been doing that solely to protect? his family or do you think there would have been other motivations absolutely not
1: okay you know i don't know what anyone was like and the rest of his life or whether you know he fooled around before and by the way there was a uh, witness issue with that uh trial um trump has been cheating on you know well we started with a Bonnie cheat on her i don't know too much about the uh second wife uh but yeah, Melania knows what, how she met him and, and, and what the circumstances were and, and and who he is. And, you know, I, I thought my myself personally that when she um, stayed in New York for a while, um, when he became president, I, I thought she was just holding out for a better deal. And, and to me, uh, Melania is no fool. And uh, that would not have caused him to have a divorce at all. Yeah.
2: No.
0: Um, and obviously, this, this is something that may well be litigated. We don't know if there's going to be a trial, how things are going to work out. So, Arthur, again, as our instructor, our professor here, walk us through what the former president is going to quite literally and figuratively be walking through when he comes here for his his arraignment, that first court appearance.
4: Sure. Let me just comment real quick on what Barbara said. Sure. That's not the argument that Mr. Trump's lawyers... Want to hear. In other words, they want to hear that he was, he paid that 100 money having nothing to do with politics, only having to do with his family. Right. If that's the case, if the jury believed that then he's acquitted he's found not guilty
0: yeah so well, we'll, we'll, we'll get to more of that in a second because i do want to you know take a look at both perspectives here what the prosecution is going to say what the defense is going to say here um so but well, it yeah, all here's, starts here's with that it all starts with the arraignment right there explain okay, it to so us so here's
4: what's going to happen let me let me back up to yesterday hmm? i know everyone here Jack, so, so you understand i know the no, prosecutor
0: that's why you're with us terms.
4: so um president trump when he got the call from his lawyer telling him that he was indicted initially was in somewhat of a state of shock Mm -hmm. and he was very quiet and subdued about the whole thing. Um, They were they were told that nothing was going to happen for several weeks. So out of the blue to get this phone call as a lawyer who's been told by the prosecutor who's in charge of the grand jury, you're not going to hear from us for a couple of weeks. And then the phone rings. And a couple of days later, oh, yeah, you're the president of the United States is indicted Everyone was a little bit of a state of shock, including President Trump. Mm. Some time a little bit later, he then um, was in a much more of a a combative mood and figuring out a way to turn uh, lemonade lemons into lemonade. Um, He'll only have so much control over the process next week at the arraignment. Um, Typically. He'd have no control except maybe to negotiate his his surrender date, the exact mm-hmm. date where he's gonna when he's gonna surrender, not where, et cetera. But because this is such a unique situation, that the Secret Service at the highest levels are going to be very involved, coordinating with uh, a, to some degree, a lesser degree, the NYPD, to a large degree, the New York State Court Officers, mm-hmm. um, and they have to coordinate a way for uh, I will just, look, all I can tell you, Jack, is how it would typically work and how I'm predicting it would work. The entrance to the district attorney's office is at one Hogan place, named after the legendary district attorney, Frank Hogan. Right. Uh, They may the 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 Secret Service may set up one of those curtains. You see them in New York all the time during the United Nations when heads of state are walking in and out of the various hotels. So setting up one of those curtains where President Trump would get out of the car and you wouldn't even see the door opening would be behind this curtain that leans right up against the car that would go right into the building, which is very close off of the sidewalk. I was there on Wednesday. There is a corral right across the street it's a small street and there will be as much media that can fit in that corral as possible Mm -hmm. on wednesday when i was there where there was supposed to be nothing that took place there were dozens of cameras there for nothing so we can only imagine what's going to be there for something Uh, donald trump will go in there as soon as you walk into your left they're elevator banks just i think it's either three or four elevator banks He'll go up to one of the floors of the detective investigator's office of the Manhattan District Attorney's office, and that's where he will be fingerprinted. It is no longer a fingerprint where they use ink. It goes on a piece of glass that right, is now digital. Right. Um, he will have that famous photograph. It'll now trump um, part of that term, but it'll trump Frank Sinatra's famous mugshot, and this will be the most famous mugshot of all time. Um, he'll have that that. photo see? Let me
0: interrupt one second, Arthur. Will that be made public immediately?
4: No, it shouldn't be. I mean, we shouldn't even know that he's been indicted immediately. So all all bets are off here. So the mugshot and the photographs will take place. Probably my guesstimate is around 8 a.m., whatever morning this is. They're talking about Tuesday. It could be Wednesday. And then President Trump will just sit there with his Secret Service protection agents, with uh, the detective investigators from the Manhattan DA's office. Probably there'll be some court officers hovering right around outside. And they, those those fingerprints and the mugshot got sent to the central database in Albany because they have to make sure Donald Trump is not wanted for any other crimes, that there right. are no outstanding warrants for him. And they'll also run his rap sheet so that a judge can make it, you know, could see who's exactly before him. Once those documents come back, it'll either be right before lunch. But right now they're predicting it'll be right after lunch, which is total malarkey because they can get right. this whole process done in two hours. Right. But. Um, You know, on a case like this. And then within the building on the seventh floor, there's a uh, a, a elevator bank that also now connects to the courthouse. So he will not have to leave the building to go into the courthouse. He'll enter into the courtroom. Um, I guess he's not going to have to wait for other cases to be called. I think they'll be Mm -hmm. ready for him. Mm -hmm. Um, He'll be in front of uh, Judge Michant, who is the judge who presided over the Trump Corporation trial uh before I believe that was before the holidays or around the holidays. Um and it that'll that'll be, in my opinion, less than a two-minute proceeding. Right. It'll just be they they'll tell the, the counts in the indictment, but they'll ask him to waive the official reading of it, which he will. They'll ask him what's what's your plea. Usually the attorney says not guilty. Here mm-hmm. President Trump may want to say himself not guilty. Mm-hmm. And then they'll set it down for 30 days to 45 days for a conference. And then they'll figure out how to get him out of the building, right? He, uh, again, using the court officers, but the secret service will be heavily involved. And, and it's all about safety. So, right. normally, when I like when I tried the Harvey Weinstein case last, right. you know, three years ago, as soon as we walked out, the media was right there in our face. So, I they'll am, be
0: they'll be kept they'll be,
4: one, they'll one, push them one quick way quest. out of the
0: way. Yeah, one quick I, last one question one here, and that then I, I, I want to jump in Oops. a couple of things. Sam, <laughs> hold on a second. Uh, Arthur, generally speaking, are defendants, at least for some maybe short period of time, handcuffed during this process? Yes. And do you anticipate that the former president would also be handcuffed?
4: I'm not a big gambler, but if I'm betting $20, I'm Mm -hmm. going to say he is not going to be handcuffed.
0: Okay. All right. A couple of quick things I want to get to. We only have about five minutes left here, and there's so much. Um, Ellis, (laughs) you and I had a same thought about something, and that was sometimes high-profile cases, a judge might step in and impose what's often referred to as a gag order say to the, par- the, the parties, the lawyers, other than conversations and what you say inside this court, I don't want anybody talking. Ellis, can you imagine if that happens, how the former president would respond?
2: <laughs> good luck on that one. Uh, listen, the, those of us in the media, Jack, as you know, we hate those gag orders. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, it, usually what goes on is that the lawyers and the defendant will keep whispering in our ears, but we won't be able to use it in a, in, in its public way. I think it's hopeless in this case. Everybody's going to be talking about it. Everybody's got opinions. A jury, if it ever comes to that, will have to be uh, questioned very carefully about their influence. But uh, right. I'm betting it doesn't happen. And boy, if this judge tries, good luck enforcing it. Yeah.
0: Hey Sam, Sam to you again. I'm I, I working about three or four minutes here, but there are some bigger picture things I want to come back to, um, and and two questions to you. One is we saw that the the former president immediately has used this as fundraising basis, uh, and and as uh, as soon as that word got out that there was an indictment, there was a a request up there for funding. Uh, if you were still advising him, what would you be saying to him about using this this notion of being indicted? for political purposes, specifically raising funds?
3: Well, first, I would say that if Donald Trump has issued a gag order, he might find that worse than than being found
0: guilty Right, Than any possible (laughs) sentence that might come out of this this case. Uh, The
3: the reality of presidential politics and and campaigns are that they uh, depend on fundraising. It doesn't sound, uh, it doesn't pass the saliva test, but, but we would be, if I was working for him and I have friends that are working for him, I would be issuing Uh, Campaign solicitations as well. You only get uh, a couple shots at the apple to have these uh, large fundraising days. So, so once again, I know that may not sound like the answer people want to hear, but that's just the reality of the political world we live in. And and Barbara, yeah,
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Barbara, jump in to you about this. This the is a man the that campaign.
1: was going to finance his own campaign. I mean, is there, he'll do anything for money. He'll cheat a contractor out right of $10,000 because he can, because it's $10,000. Uh, I just want to go back to one thing that Arthur said. Uh, you know, if a prosecutor is unable to convince a jury uh, that, that, that um, Trump uh, did not uh, do what he did, because he was afraid of Melania, then that guy is not, not very mm-hmm. good, not very small. There well, is no, yeah. no way that, I mean, everybody, I lived in, I was in the office, we knew about every affair. I mean, the big one with the, uh, why her name is right. um, Trump. Uh, uh, Barbara, but right. Barbara,
3: let me say one thing very quickly and I'll be very quick here. You're <laughs> right, Melania did not go to the White House. And I don't believe she stayed in New York, when he was elected president for Barron's school, you're we also know from public reporting that Donald had to renegotiate the prenup. He sure. didn't, have to. he could have gone through a divorce if he wanted to. I know yeah. for a fact he has said to me multiple times, I can't do another divorce. I well, can't, it, I, and I, so it'll what? be interesting, oh, interesting if we so see what?
0: this, if, if we see this in some way, shape, or form playing out during the course of the trial. Last question. All right, Ellis, I'm going to come to you. I got about uh, what I got about a minute and 15 seconds. So big question. Sorry to give you so little time. But let's talk bigger picture electability. What impact do you think this might have either an indictment or either a finding of not guilty or a a a finding of guilty? I can't imagine that, that the former president would take a plea on this. So let's let's assume no. those are two extremes. What, what impact do you think this could all have on the question of electability?
2: You've got to compartmentalize here, Jack. I mean, clearly it will inflame the base, right? I mean, the people who are already there will be more intense than ever. Um, It will rev up the president into a more emotional and uh, and strong-willed state. And I think that people in the middle, the, the the three or four swing voters who are left in America, boy, it sure is hard to find them anymore. Yeah. Um, I don't think it 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 helps. I mean, in the end, most Americans, I think, probably don't want their president to be a. a a criminal defendant, but uh, you know, good and bad, who knows how it plays out in the end. Well,
0: I think that's probably the good way to wrap this up, which is who knows how this is going to play out in the end. Uh, Four of you have been wonderful helping us understand all of this, and clearly this is to be continued. We'll look forward to talking with all of you again, down the road as as, as this plays out, eventually perhaps in a courtroom. So uh, Barbara, (laughs) Arthur, Sam, Ellis, thanks so much to all of you, you all be well now.
1: Thank you, Thank you, Good to
0: be with you. Thanks for tuning in to Metro Focus. You can take our award-winning program with you wherever you go with Metro Focus, the podcast. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. Or simply ask your smart speaker to play Metro Focus, the podcast. Also available at Metrofocus.org, wliw.org slash radio and on the NPR One app.